0: This is Joe Esposito, a Reliving My Youth. You're the best man, nothing's ever going to keep you down. Keep on listening.
1: And welcome to Reliving Living My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Joe Esposito. Karate Kid, You're the Best. One of the best montage songs ever. We talked to Joe about that song, and there's so much more to Joe's career than just that song. And there are things that you definitely know, but you don't know it's Joe, so we talk about that as well. And there are things that Joe just missed out on, which is pretty crazy. And we definitely talk about that. He has worked with some amazing artists from Donna Summer to Laura Branigan, Brenda Russell. He worked with the great producer, Giorgio Moroder, And Joe is still going strong now. We talk about all of that. And I hope you enjoy this interview because I had so much fun doing it. And helping me relive my youth today is Joe Esposito. Joe, this is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, uh, It's my pleasure.
0: I'm, I'm happy
1: to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, your career, I mean, you've had such a interesting, long career. You've had your hand in pretty much everything. Um, I'm going to start in a weird spot. I don't know if many people okay. who have interviewed you start in this spot, but you sang on the Different Strokes theme song, correct? Oh,
2: yeah. Now the world knows.
0: Uh, I got that through uh, Brenda Russell, okay. who I did piano on it.
1: Right, yeah, we'll talk about that and, later.
0: <laughs> okay, so she basically, uh, I think she knew uh, Alan Sick. Right. She wrote a, you know, Alan Sick the actor, wrote a bunch of those jingles, not jingles, but like TV show themes. Right. And because she kind of grew up in Canada, she got myself and Alan McCullough, was another famous... Famous singer with James Taylor and a lot of different groups. Right. And myself when we sang different, the
1: Different Strokes thing. Yeah, that, that's great because it's like, you know, this, they don't really do, you know, theme songs for TV shows anymore. And like and that one's like one uh-huh. like, of you know, the most popular ones out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so. I, uh, it's- it was pretty amazing. Right. to get... You know, we, unless you bring stuff up like this, I have to get some of the stuff that I've even done. What, unless somebody brings it up, to what, tell you
1: the truth. Yeah, because I mean, you, you've done so, you, like, so much. Um, but I guess we can, you know, go, you know, we can start at the beginning. Um, you know, your days in Brooklyn. I'm, I'm originally from Queens. Um, how did you first, like, get involved in music? You know, when did you first start liking it, like your influences? I was around, I want to say around 13 or 14.
0: I was hanging around... Uh, on the streets of Brooklyn with some guys that were very, very tough guys. I was never very comfortable being, being in this situation, but I was kind of born into it. And, uh, I met a, a friend of mine, Eddie Holkinson in uh, in junior high school. And, uh, he had a singing group and I always liked music. I didn't even know I could sing. I loved Elvis Presley. You know, I loved all the doo-wop stuff. And, uh, when I, Heard him sing on the street corners, I I was like, that's what I want to do. And that's how I I started singing. And I didn't even start lead singing. I was started to learn how to sing backgrounds on a lot of the street corner stuff. Now, growing up, I'm sure you know, like, I don't know how old you are, but in Queens or wherever, there was a lot of music, so many different types of people, all different types of people. And a lot of of guys from my neighborhood could really sing good. And they had all these singing groups. That's basically how I learned. And when the Beatles came out, that's when we started to pick up instruments and take it a little more seriously. And then go work in clubs because we, you know, we we figured out we could make money, you know, playing in clubs. And that's basically where it started from.
1: Right. So, like, what uh, what instrument did you learn to play?
0: I started uh, with a guitar. Okay. And then later on, the piano. I'm not very good on either one, but right. putting up the right songs. You know, I was mainly, we used to sing and dance. You know, we used to watch like Little Anthony in the Imperials and the Temptations. Right. We were more of a singing group. And then later on, we picked up instruments.
1: Okay. Like I said. Right. Yeah. So Eddie um, Parkinson, obviously, he went on to be in the Brooklyn Dreams with you. Um, how old were you? Like, where was your first, like, you know, paying gig when you started playing?
0: I, I believe it was, uh, uh, yeah, I, I do remember. It was a club called Cushido's in Staten Island. Okay. And we went and we, we played there. We had a backup group backing us up. And somebody come in and said, listen, you can't play unless you have a cabaret card. And we were like, what's a cabaret card? Well, right. you have to join the union. You got to get fingerprinted. And you have to have a picture taken. I must have been around 15, 16 years old. (laughs) We went down and we got a cabaret card. And then maybe a few months later, Frank Sinatra said, I'm not doing this with these cabaret cards. (laughs) He he refused to do it. And then they stopped the cabaret cards. So, but it was that incident that reminds me of one of the first clubs that I played in.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was me, Eddie, and his brother and a couple other guys.
1: Right. (laughs) How much you get paid for that gig?
0: I think 250 or $300. Right. You know?
1: And that was for the and group, like, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, for the whole group. Like, you know, we were like, I make $30 a piece. We were like, I you know? yeah. was like, oh, my God, I, I love this stuff.
1: You know, plus, and we knew the girls liked it. That was another thing. Oh, of course, so, yeah.
0: We could, you know, so I'm, I was in.
1: Right, you know? yeah. So was it like then that you realized that's, that's what you wanted to do with your life? Or was that even before that show?
0: No, it wasn't really before that. It was right around that time I realized that's what I wanted to do. And you know, when I was a kid, they used to have a, a show called The Million Dollar Movie that was on. And and for for a whole week, they would play like one movie. And I used to love like the James Cagney movie, uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Okay. And he would sing and dance. And I would watch the movie consistently. And this is before I even knew I could sing, but I just loved the dancing and the singing. And, uh, you know, so it kind of led up to that once I met Eddie. And I stopped hanging around with all those rough guys, and I hung around with the guys that, you know, that played uh, music. And it kind of saved my life, because a lot of the guys that I grew up with, they didn't grow up. Right. They wound up a lot of them wound up dying from drugs and okay. getting you know I mean shot and all kinds of stuff you know. So it kind of took me away from that and it kept you know kept me on a steady course with music.
1: Right. No. That's that's good. So when when did you uh, meet uh, Bruce Sedano?
0: I met Bruce uh, at a club called the Flatbush Terrace, which was around the corner. Eddie's mother had a candy store that we used to hang out and sing. And the, we used to go play at this club called the Flappers' Terrace. And Bruce had a band. And uh, that's how we met. And we were about, I want to say, 15, 16, somewhere around there. And then Bruce started coming down to the candy store. And Peppy. Peppy was the guy that, with, in Bruce's group, they had a hit record called uh, Tighter and Tighter for Live and Kicking that Tommy, Tommy James produced. He was the first guy in our neighborhood to have a hit record from our crew and uh but that's basically how it all started
1: right so then like how did like you guys form the the Brooklyn Dreams
0: well you know I was around 26 years old we were still playing in clubs Eddie's brother didn't want to do it too much anymore he had gotten a day job and I had a friend Ginny Poncia who uh Produced Melissa Manchester, okay. wrote You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. Right. He also wrote and produced Kiss, I Was Made For Loving You, and a, uh, a lot of other songs. He, he had suggested to me to come out to L.A. He could get me some work out there. So I said to Eddie, I'm going against everybody's advice. Everybody said, you're crazy, you're mm-hmm. too old. You know, and Eddie and I got in the car and went out to L.A., and I think Bruce had called us about a week later. I think somebody had stuck him up with a gun and they, down the streets and took his money, and he called us up and said, listen, I'm thinking of coming out to L.A. We were like, well, come on out. I was going out really to pursue a solo thing. Okay. Eddie took the ride with me, we, and then Susan Maneo, who was the uh, uh, vice president of marketing at Casablanca Records, once all the three of us were together, she said, why don't you guys make a demo, the three of you guys, write some songs, make a demo, and I'll see if I can get to a record deal. And we did, and she got a, we got a record deal. I mean, I couldn't believe it. We went to California and got a record deal from a company in New York, wow. Jimmy Ida with Millennium Records, <laughs> right. and that's how that started.
1: Yeah. So how long after you got to California did you get that record deal?
0: I would say maybe six or seven months later. Well,
1: wow, that's not bad.
0: A year to the day that I left to go to California, we were in the studio recording our first Brooklyn Dreams record. Wow. <laughs> A year to the day. And the reason why I know that my birthday is May 5th, I left on May 4th, awesome. 1976. Right. And I think in May, around, around that time, 1977, we were in the studio recording our first record.
1: Wow, that's great. I listened to, like, your first album because it's it's hard to find a lot of your music you know especially Brooklyn Dream. so I I did a lot of it on, on YouTube and I that album I love that album and it, it's great.
0: Band oh, okay. playing all those tracks. Uh, Chaka Khan. And Bruce. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. It
0: was the rhythm section on that first album.
1: Yeah, it's great. But like, you weren't really like a like a disco band. But like, did you? No, no, no. Not, not at all. But were, were you kind of labeled that like during that era?
0: We got lumped into that because Bruce got romantically involved with Donna right Donna and then. Uh, we uh, were on Casablanca, and we used to we used to you know back her up. We called up bad girls, and I sang mm-hmm. heaven knows with her. So everyone kind of labeled labeled us that, but we weren't really a disco band. We were an R and B band.
1: So right. We How did you guys end up meeting Donna Summer?
0: We uh, at one of those meetings at Susan Maneo's house. Uh, Donna had pulled up in a car. It's funny. We were looking out the window. And we see this little red Mercedes pull up. And it really, the way she was pulling up didn't look like she knew how to drive. <laughs> you know, and she had, on a license plate, it had L-T-L-U-Y, the love to love you, baby. Right. So she comes, she gets out of the car, she comes in the house, Susan Susan introduces us. She goes, hi, I'm Donna. I said, hi. You know, we all introduced ourselves. I said, wow. I said, how are you driving like that? I said, it looks like you don't know how to drive. She goes, I don't. I don't have my license yet. I just got this car. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it
0: was a pretty funny moment. She really didn't how to drive. Right. And uh, that, that's basically how we met.
1: That's funny. Did anyone end, end up teaching yeah. you how to drive? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she was driven around.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I think somebody was with her. I don't remember, but I just remember that incident. That's how we met.
1: You right. know? Yeah, the- yeah. That's that's funny. Now, like, yeah, writing you know, "Bad Girl" is such an iconic song. Was that like an easy song to write? I'd say so
0: <laughs> I mean it doesn't usually happen that way I right. had this idea I want to write a song about you know street uh, girls and, and we thought we were playing Who's That Lady Okay. and uh, started singing that, and then she started singing dang it girls dun, dun. and you're like go in go go and you know sing it and uh, we did it we did the demo and laid on the shelf for about a year year and a half and they were looking for one more song for the double album and uh the engineer said hey what about that song bear girls and uh it became the title of the album one of her big uh, literally it was like an afterthought right it became one of her biggest songs i mean it's like a gift from god to me that's
1: how i look at all the stuff you yeah know? yeah i mean the, she- the way the way things turn out
0: when you're doing stuff it, it's just amazing you're, you're looking in one direction and it's like when i was doing uh uh, Flashdance. Right. Nobody thought that the movie was gonna be that big of a hit. I was also working on the movie Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Demon. Right. I had four songs and I'm thinking that's gonna be the one and Flashdance goes through the roof.
1: Yeah. I mean You know, again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and because I mean well we'll kinda go over the place. But you worked on like so many like iconic soundtracks of, of the eighties. You know, the Flashdance one was amazing, you know, it was up for you know Grammy. Um the you know,
0: it was I, f- album of the year right. up, unfortunately against Thriller. Yeah, that so I was happy to I was I was happy to go to the Grammys, but w- I knew I wasn't going to win. It was the biggest selling album in the history of the music.
1: Right, country. yeah. Which I think Flashdance probably sold a while, like 15, 16 million anyway, right?
0: Y- yes, 18 yeah. million. But I think I think Thriller eventually sold like
1: 50 million. Yeah. Or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But then yeah. Oh, like,
0: I got another I got another funny story, though. Know? Oh, awesome. But they put your name they put your name on the uh on the seats. So somebody comes up to me and goes, Who's, Where's Joe Esposito? I says, I am. He goes he puts his hand out to shake my hand. And he goes, Everybody always tells me I'm a great singer And I said and everybody always asked me about Elvis. It was the Joe Esposito right. with Elvis Presley. Right. He just came up to me, found me and shook my hand to if he wanted to meet me. That's funny. Which I it was pretty
1: right. unbelievable. That's funny. So then I'm sure, like, was that before or after you started like using the nickname Bean?
0: Well, it was before. Uh, no, I had uh, I had to use Bean when I got into uh, we did American Hot Wax,
1: right? With
0: Kenny Vance and the Planets Homes. Uh, when I joined uh, SAG and Astra, I, I couldn't use Joe Esposito because he got there first, right? you so, because of residuals so I had my nickname was bean I was nicknamed Bean when I was a kid right and I used Joe bean and then of course Esposito but I go with Joe Bean for residuals
1: okay yeah because every time you know you search on the internet you have to add bean because if not you get you know El, you know the other Joe Esposito Elvis's friend and uh, re- exactly yeah reading all exactly. that yeah. Yes. But like yeah. like, yeah, like I was saying, you like the Flashdance soundtrack, you know, is amazing, and you were very close to seeing what a feeling, correct? Yeah,
0: how'd you know
1: that? I, I do my homework, Joe. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think there was a thing where Giorgio Moroda said to me that they were getting some resistance from Irene Cara's manager, right? And it was like, say, say two o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. He said, "If they don't make a decision by three o'clock, you're singing both songs." Because I had sang the demo, but I wrote my own lyric. It wasn't what a feeling; it was something else right. that presented to Paramount. And uh, at, at the last minute, they made the deal with her. Otherwise, oh. I would have done both songs.
1: Yeah. Right? Where I mean, yeah. were you like? I'm sure you were disappointed because you wanted to sing that. But I mean, you. Well, you know,
0: there was a, quite a few things that I almost got. You know that I was very disappointed, and that we can go over. Right. Uh, you know, like uh, dirty dancing and stuff like that. Originally, they wanted Donna and me the sing it. Jimmy know was the music supervisor, mm-hmm. and I think because of the title, she turned it down. And they mm-hmm. they got they got Bill Medley and Jennifer Warns. Now I don't know if that's. You know, I think they were thinking of me. Maybe they want to do a medley. Right. Uh, and, he, you know, and I was a backup. I'm not really sure. But I remember that came down. I was disappointed in that. And, uh, again, when you're doing this stuff, you don't even know the movie's going to be a hit or not. When right. I did The Karate Kid. Yeah. I did. It the Karate Kid. What's The Karate Kid? You know, you know you're doing these things, and you have no idea. Like with Flashdance, I had no idea. But, you know, again, I was in the room. I happened to be in the right spot at the right time. And some of the, most of the stuff doesn't go your way, but some of it does, and the stuff that does go your way, you know, sometimes it turns out to be pretty big.
1: Right. I mean, and like, you know, Lady, Lady, Lady is a great song. I mean, I don't think it charted anywhere in the U.S. though, correct?
0: No, but it was a hit all over
1: the world. Right.
2: like the wind, thoughts can come undone, dancing behind masks, just subtle pantomime, but images reveal whatever
0: wanted Giorgio Moroder to give up the, uh, the rights in different countries and he wouldn't do it. So because of that, there was literally only one hit off that album. It was Maniac. Right. And uh, and I was supposed to be the, oh no, mani- two hits. What a well, Feeling, yeah, what
1: a feeling maniac. A maniac, yeah.
0: And I was supposed to be the third hit, but the, I got caught in a, uh, a political thing. And G- I remember Giorgio saying to me years later, he was so sorry he did that. But, you know, I said, well, what can I tell you? I right. mean, things happen. You, you know. know. I guess everything happens for a reason.
1: Right. And, and that song kind of yeah. got a little bit of life last year with uh, in the Call Me By Your Name movie.
0: Yes. Yes, it did. Yeah, it was in the movie. Yeah. And uh, it was a hit all over the world. You know, I, I remember going uh, to South America with Donna. and people would say to me, you know, like, just in a car, what's your name? i said, say, Joe, you know, like, they're like, Joe, it's beautiful movie and you know, I'm like, yeah, and they go, no. Yeah. <laughs> I had a show to show them my, I had show to show them my passport. Right. They wouldn't believe me, and I'm thinking, really? Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, you know, but they knew the song. You
1: know what I mean? Right. But then, like you know, touring, you know, when you were with the Brooklyn Dreams and touring with Donna, that must have been wild because you like opened up for her and then performed with her as well.
0: in New York right we started doing 20,000 cedars with her
1: okay
0: you know because that's what she was doing and we did pretty pretty damn well you know just opening for her and you know doing her it was great a great great experience right you know and I didn't really realize just how big you know because I was in it how big she was until yeah. so, you know after she passes away I, I realized what I was surrounded by she was really a tremendous talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, she kind of reinvented herself, you know, with, with the late '70s and you know, going toward in the '80s and you know, the early '90s. I mean, her music was just like it's it's timeless. And my uh, my mother recently saw the the Broadway show about her, yeah, and, yeah, and she you know she raved about it, how how good it was, you know. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Have you have you seen it yet?
0: Yeah, I've seen it. I saw it in uh, in La Jolla when they were uh, working it out. Okay. And then I and then I saw it on Broadway. Right. And it's excellent. And I got to tell you what what I really think, because I, I haven't seen a lot of plays, but I saw Beautiful. Okay. And I saw Jersey Boys, and they're both great plays. Right. Especially, you know, Jersey Boys is had some monumental success. But the one thing I noticed with Donna's play, they're up and they when they get up and they start dancing, they think you're in a discotheque. Right. <laughs> The, the vibe in the room, it was unbelievable. And it was very, very emotional for me.
1: I'm sure, yes. Yeah.
0: I got very, very upset, uh, especially towards the end because I knew her so well. Yeah. And uh, it just it just really bothered me that that she, she's not here to see it. And her husband, Bruce, did a great job getting all this, getting this, you know, him and Tommy McCullough. I'm responsible for getting it on Broadway. They did a
1: great job. Right. Did your mother like it? Oh, she loved it. Yeah, she she raved about it. So I'm, I'm I want I want to go see it because I I was a big fan yeah. of hers as well. So I want oh. Yeah, and where do you live now? Are I, you still in New York? I'm I'm in Connecticut. So actually, I my my full time oh. job is is in Manhattan. So I travel there every day. So go, going to oh, see right. Broadway show is not a problem. <laughs> right. Good. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So then. um after, I guess, you had a couple albums with the Brooklyn Dreams, you guys kind of went your separate ways. I know you made friends, but like what happened like, business-wise?
0: Well, Neil Bogart had pa- passed away, Jimmy and I had split from Neil Bogart, we wound up on Casablanca, and his brother-in-law Bruce Byrd took over, but it kind of fell apart. We you know we, They wanted us to make a disco album, we right. made a disco album, that that really wasn't us, and we did four albums, and then we were, you know, we got released. Okay. And then a few years later, Bruce and I did an, another, an, an album called Joe Bruce and Second Avenue. Right. You have, are you familiar with that? I,
1: I've, I've heard of it. I was trying to find it. I, I, I wasn't su- successful.
0: Oh, there's, there's a bunch of songs on YouTube. Okay. Uh, that we did with Michael Lomardian. Okay. And Michael Lomardian of course, produced Christopher Cross. And, right. Uh,
1: you
0: know, Rod Stewart and Amy Grant and a lot of different artists. And, uh, and we were on EMI America. We did an album. And we did a video, and the day after we shot the video, they fired the the president that signed us, Jim oh, Mazza. Of course, Joe Smith came in and fired everybody that Jim Mazza signed. Right. So I did an album and a video, and then it never came out.
1: Right. No figures. Now, when when that huh? yeah, when that happens, like, do like, does the president like even look at the roster and like see this guy was successful, this guy, or did they, they always just clean clean the slate? Huh. You
0: know. I don't know how that goes because I'm on the other end
1: of that. Right. You know,
0: maybe it's an ego. Maybe it's an ego thing. Yeah. I'm sure if we, I'm sure if we had the success that
1: Donna had, right. Maybe they would have kept us. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we had a little success, but nothing really major. I think they kept the uh, who was the guy from the Babies, John Wait. Oh, he John was Wait. On yeah. On that yeah. label,
0: yeah, they kept him. They kept a few of the artists, but with, with us, they they let us go, and that was the end of that.
1: Right. But then um, you had your solo album with, you know, produced by Giorgio Morota, Solitary Man, which I absolutely love. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a, it's a great album. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoy it. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, like, make you feel old, but I was, you know, I was probably about eight when that came out, so I don't really remember how yeah, su- it, successful it was. No, so, yeah. you
0: don't have to make me feel old. I am old. Oh, stop it. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm older, but, I, you know, I, I'm still out there doing it. So I'm Yeah, absolutely.
1: Interested. Yeah. no, it, it, I really enjoyed that album. Was it, like, successful when it came out? I don't really remember. No, I don't no? think so. Okay. Uh, I didn't really... Uh,
0: Nah,
1: nothing really happened. Right. So, um... Yeah,
0: but it, I had fun working with Giorgio, he was a great producer. Yeah, no, he, yeah,
1: he, he's got some great stuff, yeah. Um, so then, I guess, uh, the moment that changed your life when you uh, recorded You're the Best, but it wasn't originally for Karate Kid, correct? <laughs>
0: On the radio and my son in law heard it and he said, What is this? You know, history repeats itself, trying you'll succeed. Yeah. Because that makes no sense for the Karate kids. So I had called the radio, I called his, uh, his uh, radio show, right. and they, they did an interview with me. And I said, Originally it was done for Rocky 3, but the uh, Eye of the Tiger got it. Yeah. See, uh, Bill Bill Conti and Allie Willis, who I knew. Allie Willis is a very famous songwriter. Yeah, she's in Songwriter Hall um, of Fame, yeah. Yeah, she's written a lot of hit songs. Yeah. Uh, they got me because they knew Stallone liked me. Right. So I sang You're the Best. And it didn't make Rocky III, but the director, John Albertson, who liked it so much, he put it in The Karate Kid.
1: Right.
0: And and that the rest is history. And the record company took my that song off the movie, and, and and had somebody else do it. And John Appleson said, no, 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 no. I, I want this. I don't want I want the other guy, meaning right. me. So that's that's how I got it. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been another one of those. Ah, you almost got it. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah. Do you, do you remember and who they wanted to, to replace you?
0: No, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't remember, but that, that's right. And I had I saw him in the studio once. He had he recently passed away, John Appleson. Yeah another great director he's won academy awards or, you know for rock i think he did the first rocky movie yeah and, uh,
1: he did rocky save, and then, yeah save,
0: i think he did save the tiger with jack lemon i think he won a uh, an academy award for that and i had thanked him for letting me do the song now let me tell you something though when that f- song first came out it really wasn't a hit it was the banana ram you know, cool cool summer that became a hit right
1: which is which is funny because like uh cruel summer is not even on that soundtrack it's 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 really funny because like you're the best. I mean, it's a great song you see in the montage, but like I don't even think it was on the radio. I don't even think it was released or anything like that. It just kind of got momentum as the years went on.
0: I think 20 years later, my one of my uh, kids, my son, was a professional baseball player. Yeah, was the Rockies. How it yeah, he went to Arizona State. He goes, Dad, uh, I got to tell you something. You know. uh, <laughs> Everybody knows you're the best. They made me sing it on the bus. Right. And when, he, when, he got, when he got drafted in the pros, right. he said, you know, people are using your song when they come out to Manta. I'm like, you're kidding me. That's how I started to see that this song was, was started to get some, it's almost like a, an anthem. And it's become like a cult thing, like sweep the leg, Johnny, you yep. all that stuff. Put him in the body bag. Right. 20, 20 years later. But, you know, again, uh, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I mean th- that movie's played like you know, everywhere, like you know, four times a day. It's, it's crazy. But then you know,
0: and it and so- it also winds up on like commercials. You know, like I see Manny Pacquiao walk into the ring. He's playing right. the best. You know, uh, my my grandkids they they watch uh, Thomas the Train, the cartoon thing. And yeah, they're playing that there. Oh, it's God. been on uh, a bunch of TV
1: shows. Right. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. You know, Goldberg's had it. I think like it's always right, sunny. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. It's been a lot. It's it was actually on Thomas the tr- the engine. I think so. Oh my yeah, God. Not oh. recently. Oh okay. And, uh, that's funny because another one. Uh,
0: I forget the name of it now too. You would know it if I said the name. I'll try to think of the name.
1: Right. Uh, of this
0: cartoon, it's kind of a risque
1: cartoon. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it too. was on South Park.
0: South Park,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 now like with it, it everywhere it's been like pop culture wise obviously besides uh karate kid where's your favorite like you know co- connotation of it i guess you can say what do you mean like you know like you know on on like a commercial in the Goldbergs uh you know so wherever it's been like where's your favorite uh, like kind I'm of like, placement of uh, it I'm I love it all. Right, Yes, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm sure. I when yeah.
0: I hear it. My, my, my sister just texted me today. Right. Let me read you the
1: text while I got you on the phone. Okay. Just before you called, she says to me, hello, brother, how are you? A little FYI. Uh, have you ever watched the show Tosh? Tosh, yeah, Tosh oh, uh, Comedy yeah. Comedy
0: Central. It's one of Nick's favorite shows. That's, that's her son. It's funny but crude. The new season starts tonight on the advertisements. They're playing You're the Best. You <laughs> rock star.
1: That's funny, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, that's how I find out about this stuff. You know, I'm not looking for this stuff. My daughter will say, "Hey, I just watched the Goldbergs." Right. You may want to watch it tonight. It's going to be on, and like they're playing half the song. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, it's yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. Now, like you know, I love it all. Yeah, you should. It's great. And like I have, I have two kids. uh, You know, 13 and eight year old, and they both got you know into the Karate Kid, and now they got into you know Cobra Kai. You know the the YouTube show, which oh the series, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and the the song wasn't in the first season. I, I I'd imagine they'll find a place for it in, in the second season. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I went to the movies to see. You know, I never saw the Karate Kid in the movie theater. Okay. So when they they had a special showing like on a Tuesday night around the whole country, I right.
1: went. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. Movie, yeah.
0: And then they and then they showed the first two episodes. <clears throat> and I know that did they played different songs like uh, "Ain't Got a Kick in the Head." By, by Dean Martin because you know yeah with with, uh, with karate and all that stuff right. But uh, the first two episodes that I saw was pretty good yeah you know, yeah it looks like they picked up yeah. to be good for the second season it's yeah
1: good. it was picked and up like right away the, the series is great I mean I, I was really impressed yeah. I watched it like twice already it's really good Uh,
0: you watched the whole series I,
1: you know? I watched it and like it was, it was like ten episodes I watched it, like the first day it came out <laughs> really yeah wow. very nice yeah I was off oh, from work that day yeah. so.
0: There's this uh, magician out here. His name is Matt Franco okay. in Vegas. He's got a big, big show. He's the one that won America's Got Talent a few years ago.
1: Okay.
0: He comes he comes and finds me. I'm playing in Vegas, and he becomes my friend. And he says to me, you know, there's no live version of you singing You're the Best. And he plays guitar. So if you go to YouTube and put in Matt Franco and Joe Esposito, and we got a ton of hits.
1: Yeah, I, I, I watched know, it. That, I watched it. It you was good. It? Yeah, it was good. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
0: uh, and Ralph Macchio commented on it. Billy Zafka and a bunch of so I did that because of him. He's the one that like you know put it out and
1: you know right.
0: came to my house and we and we recorded
1: it. Yeah, you know? right. The the sensei um, you know uh, played by Martin Cove actually yeah. uh, is, is from Queens and went to high school with my mother. So, oh really? Yeah. So I I saw him at a uh, like a, a Show last year, and I was talking to him about it, and it was it was funny just talking about the old neighborhood when you know when he was living there and certain things. So it, it was it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, I went to Stallone invited me to his his wedding when he married uh, Brigitte Nielsen. Oh, okay, yeah, <coughs> and he was there. Oh, okay. uh John Travolta, they were all there. Paulie from the,
1: you know. Oh yeah, uh, his Bert Young.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I. I it was at uh, Robert Shardoff's house, one oh, okay. of the one uh, the...
1: Oh, the producer of producer of the movie, yeah. Yeah,
0: right. yeah. and uh, Erwin Winkler
1: and uh, Robert Shardoff. And uh, we went to the wedding and they were all there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Now, was yeah, Speaking of uh, Stallone, um, Hearts on Fire, which is a great song, you know, ended up by John Cafferty and Beaver Brown Band. But your, your version of it is, is awesome, and, and I appreciate you sending it to me. Like what happened there? What was that like? All set to be released, and then it got political, a political Scott, again. Brothers, the oh, okay, Brothers right. At the
0: label, they managed John Cafferty. They didn't. They didn't want me to sing it. Oh, okay. And if you if you listen to both versions,
1: he didn't want to sing it. Right. They made him sing it. Okay.
0: You know, and you can tell. I think you can tell the difference in his between his version and my version.
1: Yeah and it's it's funny cuz like I'm it's been over 30 years since we came out so I've I've been like ingrained hearing that version you know for years but like since you sent me that copy I've been playing it a few times a day and it's it's phenomenal it's you know it's like yeah. like there's more passion in your voice than his and obviously yes. now now I know why because you told me he didn't want to do it <laughs>
0: Yeah, he really didn't want to do it. It really wasn't his thing. He was more like a Bruce Springsteen, like with Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the
1: Cruisers, exactly. You know, that's the, yeah.
0: You know, and uh, and you know, Kenny Vance produced that album. He was in the uh, he was the lead singer of the Planettones when we did that movie American Hot Wax. Okay. And I'm I'm an original Planetone, and so is Eddie and Bruce. We were the Brooklyn Dreams. As another interesting story, Vinny Poncia, the producer, I was telling you about. Right. He uh, he calls me one day and he says, "Hey, I got this movie thing they want me to do." And I, uh, producer Melissa Manchester, I can't do it. He goes, "Do you you guys want to do it?" And uh, he says, "Would you shave?" Because we at the time I had a mustache and he had a beard. He goes, "Would you shave right. your mustache for like a thousand dollars?" I said, "I'll shave my head for a thousand dollars." Right. And we wound up being the Planet Tones and that's how we got to to, to know Kenny Vance.
1: Okay. And and also another little story.
0: Vinny Poncia, who I'm doing some stuff with now, by the way. We've, we've been recording together. Right. We're going to be doing some, some, some stuff. And um, he uh, calls me when I first get to L.A. because he's the one that said, you should come to L.A. I can get you some work. And uh, he says, um, I got a session to do today. Uh, are you busy? I said, no. He goes, all right. So he picks me up and we go, we're driving, we're singing in the car. We get to the studio. I walk in the, in the room. And there's Ringo Starr. Oh wow! That was in nineteen seventy-seven. Okay. I supposed to see Aretha Mardin. Oh yeah,
1: a, total Yeah. He's
0: Atlantic producer, you know, he produced Respect.
1: Yeah, Aretha Franklin, you know, definitely. He's yeah.
0: He's a legendary Atlantic producer. He's producing Ringo, and who comes in ten minutes later? Paul McCartney. Oh wow. And Linda, I'm with the Beatles for ten hours wow. in the studio, and I'm singing, and I'm like blown away. That was the that was one of the first things I did when I got
1: talent. <laughs> so you must throw thought some magical place then
0: <laughs> I was like I'm never leaving
1: right you know, that's you a... know I couldn't believe it wow yeah. that, that's great. so did you like talk to them at all or or are you kind of like oh, oh my yeah. god
0: I was asking him about Shea Stadium he says when well, we did Shea Stadium he says we couldn't hear anything right Oh, we, we couldn't hear, they didn't even have monitors on the stage when he met the queen the green they used look the teeth like, are green I can't believe it he didn't want to you know just Unbelievable stories. I can't remember all of them, but it was just like, he was so nice, Ringo. you know? Right. Cole, after he got done singing, he rolled the joint and smoked the joint, <laughs> you know, in the studio. Yeah, right. It was great,
1: man. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Now, another, like, uh, movie, which is also an, an 80s all-time classic is Ferris Bueller. And you sing in one of the songs, in, in a, a pretty cool scene with Charlie Sheen singing "Shana."
0: Yeah, that's uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Another good friend of mine, Ira Newborn, did all those John Hughes movies. Right. And he would hire me. And uh, and that was, that was uh, Shawna Genie. We did, ooh, Shawna Genie. Mm. Something like that in the background. It's Charlie Sheen and uh, Jennifer Jennifer, Grey. Jennifer Grey, yeah. Jennifer Grey. And... yeah. Now, how did
1: you know that? Like I said, I I, I do my homework. I, I didn't do my homework in school, but I do my homework when I, you know for this stuff. <laughs> does that stuff come? When you
0: put my name up, does that stuff? I I never search for this stuff. Does that stuff come up, or do you have to like really dig to find
1: out about? It? Well, um, well, that's I mean, base the basic stuff comes up, you know, like you're the best, and you, obviously you're broken mm-hmm. dreams and stuff with you know Brenda Russell. But you you, know, you dig deeper, you look at former like you know, interviews and stuff like that. Some stuff comes up. I see. Yeah.
0: Because there was another guy, my son, who now is not, he doesn't play baseball anymore, but he's like a department head in Arizona okay. at this big gym called Lifetime Fitness. So I'm talking to this other guy who's a big fan of mine. Right. It's what, his boss. And he's like, so what else did you do? When I told him I sang in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he goes, what did you sing in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I said, you know the scene with Charlie Sheen? He goes, Sean Genie?"
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding like you know the name of that thing that I sang at Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, I mean it just it just blows my mind that people know
1: this stuff. Yeah, I mean because it's it's such an iconic, you know movie, and then you know with John Hughes mu- movies, there's are always great music in it. And so you know it's right, it's right, a, right, yeah right, an epic right, scene. Right. Yeah, but then like because you ha- you do a lot of like duets too. I, um,
0: yeah, I did. A, Laura. Come into a yeah, with Laura Branigan. R- uh, yeah. Laura Branigan.
2: Say I finally found the girl
3: I love Maybe I've been alone too long Now my intuition leads me Moving down the road that takes me to your door Cause I know we're something strong together This is
0: And I got to work with him on that. Right. And uh, what's the other one? Oh, and I Had the Nose with Donna Summer.
1: Yeah, and then obviously, um, you know, Piano in the P- Dark with Brenda Russell. Piano in the
0: Dark with Brenda Russell.
1: And that's then you did a, a one that. with uh, uh, Nicolette Larson, too, right? Yeah, that was on my solo record. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was another good song, too. Jolene, right? Yeah, I yeah. guess. <laughs> Is it
0: Jolene <laughs> Jol- Jol-
1: Jol- Jol- Blonde? Jolene Jol- Blonde, yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah, 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 wow. You see? You're triggering the stuff that I... Uh, I'm gl- yeah,
1: I'm... That's I'm, pretty amazing. I'm glad I got help. Yeah. But, yeah, but Piano in the Dark, I mean, it's I love that song. Um, that's, a, that's a great song. Yeah, it, it really is. Now, I, obviously, you worked a little bit with Brenda before with Different Strokes, but how did you get involved with her again? Okay. So you so you knew her for a long time then? I knew
0: her and I knew Arnold McCullough. He was in another group in American Outwax. That's okay. how I got to meet him. Like Arnold uh, McCullough and, Jim, and David Lazley sing with uh, you know, uh, James Taylor. Right. And Arnold and David and uh, Arnold McCullough's done a lot of stuff with a lot of different with a lot of big groups. But Brenda was in a group called the D Lights and that's how we met. And that was also like nineteen seventy seven, okay. somewhere around that. And we remained friends. Every now and then I'll you know, I'll speak to like I, uh, I saw a picture of her on Facebook with Smokey Robinson the other day, and I made a comment that she liked my comment. Right. <coughs> so I'm in touch with. I spoke to Irene Newborn the other day. I try to stay in touch with everybody. Bruce, Ed, I speak to all the time. I speak to Eddie, Ed, almost every day.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great. Now the the song was up for was Record of the Year, right? That year.
0: Uh, which one? Uh, Piano in
1: the Piano dark. in the Dark. Yeah.
0: Best
1: Pop Duo. Pop Duo. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah, and We didn't win. We oh. lost
1: the Manhattan transfer. Oh yeah, okay. And I, got a good, I, I remember I got
0: that. A
1: Grammy nomination out of it, huh? Yeah, no, that's not, not bad. So you, you got a couple of Grammy nominations. That's pretty good, though. Not that many people. I got three. Get, yeah, not that people. Yeah. Not that many people get those. So you, it's pretty. Uh, right. Yeah. You
0: know, no. Yeah. No. I've, I'm pretty lucky. You know? Yeah. You know, when you're going through it and a lot of these things don't work out like say Dirty Dancing and there right. was a, a movie called Major Major League, the I sang the demo that Bill Medley sang in the movie. Like James Newton Howard would call me
1: Oh really? And and, in, I would, you mean in the beginning of the movie? Really? That song?
0: Yeah, whatever the song Bill Medley did, I, okay. did, the, I did the demo for him. Oh, wow. So I, I would get these calls, and I would sing the demos. And, and he's another one that, you know, to me, a iconic singer, one of the greatest RB right. singers ever. I'm in the studio in L.A. once, and he, he heard I was there, and he came looking for me. And he, he wanted to tell me that he thought I was a great singer, and I was, like, blown away. But I'm like, oh... Because, well, I love, you know, what you did on the demo and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, it's all those types of things that uh, mean a lot to me. Besides right. So it's, you know, doing the work. Because a lot of stuff
1: you don't get. Right. Now, have you thought about like, releasing, like, an album with all, like, those demos? I don't even have
0: them. I don't even know what
1: they are. Okay. Or just, like, you know, would you, like, original recordings now of them and release it?
0: No, I never really thought about that, but I I don't even remember the song
1: right. that Bill Medley did. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. So but, I yeah. I but, don't even know what happened to those. I, I I believe with the stuff that I did for him, I never got a copy of
1: it. He just right. sent it to Bill
0: Medley, like they would pay me, I would do it, and that,
1: was, that would be the end of that. Right. So, yeah. But like, yeah. would you do like you know, What a Feeling, or would you, you know, re-record Hearts on Fire and re- like release those?
0: Well, here's what I'm gonna do. I got in touch with Vince. Before he got in touch with me, you know, to tell me that you were going to call me,
1: right? And I, I'm going to ask him to
0: hearts on fire for me because I don't have a track of it. Okay. I have it with me singing on it, right? And I want that, and I also want never going to give you up. Uh, the song that we did, sustain life, was the ballad that Frank Stallone okay. sang that we wrote we wrote together, right? So I, I want to have those two songs that I could use in my repertoire.
1: Yeah, that, that that that'd be great because because um, yeah, yeah. you you and Vince wrote that Hearts uh, on Fire," correct? Yes. Yeah. So that
0: he's a great he's a great song. What a great keyboard played and a great
1: ranger. Oh, he, yeah, and, he, he's he a is.
0: Good, and he can sing too. I don't know if you ever heard him sing. He's really a
1: good. Yeah, I, I did because he um he did a little bit of like I mean I've heard like backup when when he did stuff with you know Frank Stallone. He did some stuff in yeah. you know in Rocky Three, but yeah, he's he, he's tremendous. I mean. Uh, that that whole soundtrack and score of Rocky IV is is amazing, and like my goal on this podcast is to get like everyone who's contributed to that soundtrack on the air. So I, I've had Vince, I've interviewed Dave Bickler who did obviously Eye of the Tiger, and now I have you who right. wrote Hearts on Fire. So I'm I, I'm getting there. I'm getting down the line. So I'm I'm pretty pumped.
0: You're gonna to try to get uh, Frank Stallone
1: also. I, I would I would love to have him on. If if yeah. you yeah if you're still in touch with him, I don't know if you are. <laughs> I am in touch
0: with him. I oh. mean, well, he, he called me recently. I mean, I could get in touch with
1: him. Yeah, I would I would love to. Yeah, so yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about it after, but that, that'd that be awesome. I really appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, I, I know you're out in Vegas and you still perform. Um, how, how often do you perform? A Couple
0: of times a month. Oh, okay. Yeah, I used to work like five nights a week you know, all over, but I, 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 first of all, it has slowed down a little bit, and in a way, I'm glad, because, you know, as I'm getting older, it gets tougher to right. sing like that. It's a tough environment to sing, and the air is very dry, you're in air conditioning, right. smoky, and uh, I'm glad that I'm able to not sing as much, because I'm also the lead singer of the Brooklyn Bridge.
1: Oh, okay, I, you was know gonna that. Ask. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I do a lot of gigs back east, now, do you know the story about, you know, Johnny Maestro was the lead singer of the Brooklyn Bridge. He was also the lead singer of the Crest. He did 16 Candles, right. which was like the, the number 10 song of of wop in the history of doo-wop. He's like in the top 10. He was a legendary singer. He passed away around seven years ago. And they had a couple of lead singers since, but when I get when they asked me to join, they they stuck with me. So right. we do You're the Best when Time
1: allots. Okay, uh, of course, yeah. We
0: do like... And the show, sometimes you do have a nose And we do more, mainly the doo-wop stuff that Johnny had hits with.
1: Right. I mean, because I guess it depends on, you know, the type of crowd that comes, too, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They, you know, they, they're really there to hear the doo stuff. But I, I, I kind of put in you're the best because there are some people that want to hear it, too. Of course, you know? yeah, yeah.
1: A- yeah. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Joe, th- th- this was amazing. Uh, thank you for so much of your time tonight. I really appreciate it. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, keep up the good work. And a special thanks to Joe for joining us today. If you go to YouTube, you can check out all his past work with the Brooklyn Dreams, the solo album. It's fantastic. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'd appreciate it. I'm at the 1st one Knowl19. Be sure to like the page for Living My Youth on Facebook. If you go to iTunes, you can check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show is on SoundCloud. The show is on Podbean. Special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. Remember, every Wednesday a new episode of Ruby My Youth comes out. We'll see you next time.